thought you can hang out. That's great. Hey, welcome to church this morning. Welcome to church. We're here this morning because we've uh, responding, responded or responding to how great our God is. And we're just worshiping Him this morning. He's absolutely amazing. But I tell you, one major thing that we really believe is uh, a strong purpose here at Wodonga Baps is that we would all be people, that each one of us would all be people who are wanting to get to know our great God more and more and more and more. And you know what? Not just for ourselves even. like That's for ourselves definitely, but also that it wouldn't just be us and it wouldn't just be a privatized faith, but like there'd be people out there in the community, people who don't go to church anywhere because of our growing in maturity that these guys would that many other people would come to faith as well. So that's, we hold that really, really deep for us. And so I hope and pray that as you come here this morning, as you come here this morning, I hope and pray that that is your strong desire, that you want to become more like Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, that you want to grow to maturity. I hope and pray that that's you this morning and uh, that truly this is what you long for. Welcome to church anyway. It's great to be here, isn't it? Well, um, I tell you, when a group of people come together and have this kind of purpose for growing and for uh, seeing other people come to faith, then things start to happen. And God starts moving in His people and His people start responding. And it's going on. This time of the year for us, there is lots of stuff going on. Lots of our people are mobilized for these, um, these key purposes. So on Wednesday night, we had a, a church a business meeting. It was great. Yeah, thanks to you guys who went. No, it was a great turnout. It was very, very good. And um, a few of the key things that got spoken about on Wednesday night, let me just share them to you. Firstly, we've appointed two new, just awesome deacons to the uh, diaconate, and they are Mason Taylor. Where's his arm going up somewhere? Down the back there, Mason Taylor. Yeah, thanks very much. Welcome into the diaconate. And Greg Stanley is, whereabouts is Greg? In a car park. How is that? What a servant heart. So Greg Stanley, when you see him, yeah, definitely congratulate him. It's such a key leadership position in our church. And those people who long to do it have got a great heart um, for this place. Uh, another thing that got shared was uh, Gail um, stood up and she was sharing about um, a proposal to, uh, for a Christian counselling service in our church. So currently we do it, and, but we want to formalise this. We want to make it even more effective at uh, making people whole um, in Christ. So it's a proposal at this stage. It was presented. And what it's going to be is like in, over the next three months, we're going to then put it to the, after three months, we're going to present it at the next church business meeting where we're going to vote on it and kind of decide and discuss um, what would be good if we should take it on as a church. But in the meantime, we're going to have um, policy being developed and just to, to kind of outline what it's all about. So if you're interested or you want to know more about it, then come speak to Gail and, and get some answers from her and some paperwork from her because we would really value your feedback as we um, think about kind of moving down this road. So please um, come and get one of those and chat to Gail about that. Also at the business meeting, um, Mark Docking stood up and she was sharing about something great that's going to happen uh, next year, mid-year, kind of like for the school break. And that is a, a, missions trip, a missions trip to Nairobi in Kenya, where the main goal is going to be to build a, 
uh, a toilet in one of the slums around there. So if you're interested, if you've got a, just a, a thought or, gee, or maybe you want to get involved in missions more, then come and speak to, to Marg at the end of the service. There's also a, um, a, a document that she's put out now that you can read all about what's going to happen and how it's um, with African Enterprise and that kind of stuff. So please um, speak to Marg. It's going to cost about $3,000. And it's the kind of thing that if you do, it will change the way you view life back here in Australia. If you go, it will not only change you, but when you get here to back home in your church or wherever you operate, you'll be permeating this changed uh, nature that you've had. And that's just going to be brilliant for not only for yourself, but for the whole church. So if you're interested, um, come and speak to Mark. Uh, that'd be $4,700. There's an early bird special, is that right, John? No. <laughs> There's no early bird special, and if it is, it's probably on my back, is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Thanks, John. <laughs> also, not on the meeting, but on tonight, at tonight, we've, um, we're going to farewell our year 12s. Um, not maybe farewell, some of them will be sticking around, um, but we want to mark the moment where they've finished their high schools, 12 years of um, pain and angst, and the last year full of lots of pain and angst. Um, and we just want to mark it and pray for them and send them off, no matter if it's work or uni, that will they stick around here or go somewhere else next year. We just want to pray for them and bless them. And I just want to invite everyone here this morning even, that if, to, if you want to be supporting our Year 12s as they embark on this next stage, then come along the church tonight. Um, we've had 14 um, Year 12s who have been really key to the Wodonga Baps kind of youth community this year. So get along there tonight. And last but not least is the Christmas musical. Just to remind us all that, yeah, it's not long. It's 120, what? John Docking will know the hours, won't he? Um, how many hours, John? 4,000? No. <laughs> um, it's not long away. So if you want to um, uh, be inviting people, do it this week, really, like... Um, be thinking about those people around you who that you can invite, people at work, people at your um, university, whatever, or your next door neighbor, and be thinking about inviting them. It's such a, a great forum to introduce people to just checking out Jesus and what a relationship with Him is all about. So be inviting people. There are flies you can grab at the info desk. You can buy your tickets today. Uh, the, you can also grab, I think there are some posters remaining that you can like stick up um, you know, on the chest of unsuspecting people so that they become walking billboards or whatever. But just to try and get the information out there. Um, you can get tickets all through the week as well. So don't forget that. It's going to be fantastic. But as we continue on in the service, um, we're going to be sharing communion in a moment. Um, let's really pray. Oh, Father God, we just want to say this morning that um, we're here because you are um, in some way drawing us close to yourself. Father God, some of us have known you for years and we praise you, God, for, for the fact that we met Jesus a long time ago. And some of us are still have maybe just done that, Lord Jesus, and we, we praise you for that. We praise you for their new relationship with you. And Father God, some of us are still just thinking about, oh, can I give my life to following Jesus? And we thank you for them being here to, today as well. But God, we praise you and we love you and we just long that uh, more and more, Father God, we'd be growing to become more like your son, Jesus, to becoming more and more mature uh, in our faith, Lord. And as that happens, Lord, the natural result would be that people outside of this community come to hear about the loving God who sent Jesus Christ to bring them into relationship with him. And we praise you that. We praise you so much, God. And this morning, we offer ourselves to you. Open our hearts and minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
things that we love to do together as a church is welcome new members. And just in these moments, I want to ask uh, six new members to come up. Paul Cullen, Joel Keeble, Michelle Matush, Carolyn Punton, James Punton, Phil Newton, and the, all those people. If you could come up now, that'd be great. Why don't you... Um, is it going to be all right sound-wise if I just jump down there with them, Chris? Yep, that'll be good. I'll come down here. So if you come just along the front, you guys. Well, look at this good-looking group of people, hey? Um, over the last couple of uh, church meetings, we've welcomed in uh, these members, Wednesday night, a number of them, and, and the meeting before. And we're just so excited. When you become a Christian, you become a member of God's family. When you uh, become a Christian and are baptised here and also um, you know, come, your name becomes a, before a church meeting and we all say, hey, let's hear their testimony and let's hear about their faith in Jesus. Then you become a member of this family, um, this church. And we're just pleased that you guys are new church members. We want to welcome you and we want to pray for you now. Maybe I should just mention all your names, hey? This is James and Carolyn Punton. Welcome, welcome. This is Joel Keeble as well, Phil Newton, <laughs> Michelle Matush, great, and Paul Cullen. Thanks, yeah, great. Why don't we pray for this group of people? God, we thank you for your church. We love being a part of your church. Lord, in your church, we meet people who we learn to love and to care for and encourage, and we find that we grow as we interact with others. God, thank you for these people here today. God, thank you that uh, through their Christian walk, they have come to want to become members of this church. God, we thank you. And we pray that as they continue to fellowship as part of this body, this church here, Wodonga Baps, we pray that uh, you would continue to grow them in their faith, in their love of you, in their love of others. And God, we pray that through them, you would help others come to know you. Through them, you would help others grow as well. God bless this group of people, we pray. And may we be a blessing to them as we journey with them together. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for each one of us to help us to be part of your family, your body, the church. And we thank you for these people part of this church, Wodonga Baptist Church. No, Wodonga Baptist Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.
Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I want to be honest with you this morning and, um, and tell you that I often find myself feeling disappointed in who I am. Um, the truth is that I'm really more sinful than I hoped I would be. Um, I often find myself getting upset with my children. Uh, I can often come across as uncaring to my wife. I often find it difficult to pray. Not only that, but sometimes I can really mope. You know, I can uh, feel sorry for myself. And uh, I can get hurt when people say a hurtful comment or neglect to do something more than I hoped I would get hurt by this stage of life. Uh, Sometimes I can also give the impression that I'm more godly than I am because I kind of think people will think more highly if I act more godly than I am. The kind of thing I'm talking about is I'll, I'll share freely with people when I've had a quiet time in the morning and felt God speaking to me. But if I haven't had a quiet time that morning, I'll try and steer the conversation away from that. I tend to share the good things but not share things that don't reflect so well. I wish I had better organisational skills, more self-disciplined I wish I was with my time because I feel God calls me to do a lot of things that I wish I was just more able to do, more self-disciplined to do and I find myself feeling often frustrated. And that's just the start of it. I mean, there's so many other things that I just feel inappropriate to share. But I tell you, I find myself often feeling disappointed with who I am. And in moments of quiet reflection upon, you know, just how much I've fallen short as a person and fallen short of the kind of person that God wants me to be, of the plans that he has for me, of the kind of life that God's planned for me. I think about it and I think I was born with so much potential, so many unlived days. As a baby, I came into the life with so much ahead of me. And yet now I often realise how much I fail. I don't know whether you ever feel like that, but I guess that there are many people who have the same kind of feelings. I mean, I think, in fact, just about everybody feels that at some stage. And perhaps uh, you have longed by now to have stopped swearing. Perhaps by now you wished you were less judgmental than you are. Perhaps you'd long to have more control of your thought life by today, your spending habits your laziness. Perhaps you'd long to be more loving at this stage of life than you are. But perhaps like me, you find yourself disappointed in how prone to sin you are. In those moments when I'm reflecting like that, I kind of come to realise who I, who I am, and 
I can sometimes console myself by saying things like, um, it's, I'm just like everyone else, you know, and uh, it'll never change. Sometimes I can tell myself that. That's all I am and, and that's who I am. I am who I am. You know, Popeye the sailor man, when he was frustrated or he wasn't sure what to do or when he felt inadequate would say, I am what I am, you know. <laughs> and in, in many ways he had resigned himself to the fact that he wasn't who he was meant to be, who he'd hoped to be. And he didn't pretend. He was really honest. I am who I am. He owned who he was. But often when we reflect on those things, instead of just owning who we are, sinful before God, we can uh, kind of be like Popeye did, say the things that Popeye said, because when he said it, there was a kind of sadness about it, kind of a resigning himself to who he was. He, He kind of lost in him his longing to be more. He kind of got to a point where he just said, this is who I am, no more, no less. And that's how it's always going to be. I can't change it. I am what I am. And this became his understanding of who he was and his limitations, which was healthy. But it also seemed to be a resignation or a giving up of who he might become, of his ability to change. I wonder if you sometimes feel yourself being like Popeye um, and you start to stay in that place and then believe that you can never change. I am what I am. You know, the truth is this morning, church, that God is into change. He wants us to change. He wants to turn our disappointment into hope. God wants you to become the person he had in mind when he made you. This is kind of behind the prayer that Soren Kierkegaard prayed. And now, Lord, with your help, I shall become myself. Because, see, we sometimes feel like Popeye that we are who we are, our sinful self. Uh, without any hope. But Soren Kierkegaard in his prayer recognised that who we really are is who God made us to be and that's who he wants us to become. He wants us to, God wants us to live in such a way that Jesus has total control over our bodies. That each day we would live Uh, using our temperament that God's given us, our genes, our history, our gifts, our abilities. But we would use these as Jesus would in our place to see what Jesus would see, to think what he would think if he were in our mind, to feel what he would feel. And therefore to do what he would do. One of the greatest works of art in the Western world is Michelangelo's Pieta. It's a a marble 
statue of an anguished Mary who's holding the crucified Christ. And some years ago, there was a fanatic nationalist who kind of rushed upon the masterpiece with a sledgehammer and began smashing it. And uh, although the damage was really significant to this incredible work of art, Vatican artists were able to restore the statue to near perfect condition. Do you know that you were created to be a masterpiece of God? And Paul writes in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship. This means we're God's uh, piece of art. We're his masterful piece of art. God made you so that you would be one with him, you would know him, and you would be one with others, you would know them too and love them, that you would go into the world and you would do good works and that you would be his ambassadors and people would see you in you, God at work. So the question is, how do we move from this disappointment we have with ourselves, this I am what I am disappointment, to this hope that I am God's work of art, becoming all that he's called me to be. You know, when I think we think about that, the huge gap between our lives and what God's called us to be, I think we can tend to do something that we shouldn't do. I think what we can uh, tend to do is that we can find it so hard to admit that we're sinful and that we fail and that we're not all that we should be, that instead of owning that and saying, I am what I am in a healthy kind of way, we begin to create kind of false markers in our, in our lives, false markers that prove to everybody else beyond doubt that we are godly, that we are holy, that we are righteous. So instead of becoming a more loving person by asking God to the, for the strength to love people we find hard to love more, we say, if I can have a quiet time, I'm mature. You know, it's too hard to love people who are difficult, but if I have a quiet time, God will be pleased and I'm mature. Or we say, if I study at theological college, I'll be more mature. Or we say, I've been a Christian for longer than others, therefore I am mature. Or if I do this activity that non-Christians don't do, or if I don't do this activity that non-Christians do, then everyone will know that I am mature. And we put in boundary markers that are used for people to gauge whether we're holy or not. Sort of like little things that decide who's in and who's out of the Christian life. We do it subtly sometimes. And the thing that can happen is that we can tend to forget that Jesus didn't say that maturity is seen in doing external things that make you appear godly. He said, I want you to know me and to love me with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. He didn't say that the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life 
is uh, the fruit of busyness or the fruit of reading five chapters from the Bible every day or an hour in prayer or not smoking, not drinking, not swearing. He said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. I find that sometimes people who have been Christians for the longest time can be the most judgmental, critical, argumentative people I've ever met. And I think, why? Why is that? How can that be if they've been following Jesus for such, such a long time? And I think often what we do, and I'm guilty of it too, is we can replace real spiritual growth with activities that make us feel that we are right before God and we can stay the same as we've always been as long as we're doing those activities and we don't grow stronger in our love for him and in our love for others. In uh, John Ortberg's book, The Life You've Always Wanted, he uses an illustration which I've kind of using here and I'm adapting for our Australian culture. I want you to imagine that a group of people come knocking on your door and they interrupt you right in the midst of your chip-eating, coke-drinking, TV-watching routine. And they come bursting into the house after you open the door and they say, good news, good news. We're from the Australian Olympic Committee. And we have been looking for someone to run the marathon in the next Olympics. And we've got statistics on every person in the entire nation on our computer. We've checked everybody's records from their performance in their sports class in primary school, uh, their body type, their bone structure, right down to the current percentage of body fat that they have. And we have determined that out of 20.4 million people in our nation, you are the one person in Australia with a chance to bring home the gold medal in the marathon. So you're on the squad. You will run the race. It's the chance of a lifetime. Can you imagine it? You're surprised by this because, you know, the farthest you've ever run is from the couch to the fridge. <laughs> and after the first shock passes you, you are gripped, though, with a realisation of what is happening now in your life. You picture yourself mingling with the elite athletes of the world. You allow yourself to imagine uh, what it would be like at night, you dream about standing on the podium while the national anthem is played, seeing the flag raised and bowing down low to have the gold medal placed over your head. You begin to feel a sense of urgency, though. It will be your body wearing those tiny little shorts that athletes <laughs> wear with a billion people watching you. <laughs> but greater than any external pressure is the kind of internal drive that says, this is the race I was created 
to run. This is my destiny. This is why I was born. Here is my chance. You know, this race becomes the greatest passion of your life. It dominates your mind. It occupies every waking moment. To run the race well, to win if you can, becomes kind of the central thought of your whole existence. It's what gets you out of bed every morning. It's what you live for. It's the chance of a lifetime. Then it suddenly dawns on you. Right now you cannot run a marathon. More to the point, you cannot run a marathon, even if you try really, really hard to run a marathon. Trying hard will only accomplish, accomplish so much, won't it? I mean, if you're serious about seizing this lifetime opportunity, you will have to enter into a life of training and it dawns on you. you you're going to have to arrange your life around certain practices that will enable you to do what you cannot do right now by your own willpower. When it comes to running a marathon... You must train, not merely try. You know, this kind of thought of training instead of trying is not only confined to the field of athletics. Training is required for people who want to play a musical instrument or to learn a new language or to run a business. Indeed, it's kind of required training for any significant challenge in life that you and I might have, including spiritual growth. There's a big difference between training to be like Jesus and trying to be like Jesus. You know, for most of my life, as I grew up and went to church, and heard people say, follow Jesus. You know, the preacher would say, come and follow Jesus. I would get all fired up and then I'd go, you know, to school on, on uh, Monday morning and I'd find that I would try really hard but end up very quickly feeling disappointed. I mean, if any of you have ever gone away from a call to live like Jesus and said, I'm going to be patient on Monday and you have three-year-olds, I mean, it's a tough gig, isn't it? Just trying to be patient when you've got three years is hard work. Trying to be patient with terrible drivers. You know, I would generally uh, try. It, would, it might work just a fraction, but then I'd feel all upset. And, you know, the truth is me hearing that I should follow Jesus and then start trying is just as hard as hearing that I have the DNA in me and all the things work to run a marathon and me trying to run it without training. You see how difficult that would be? And yet we can often think that this is what it is. See, spiritual maturity is less about trying harder and more about training wisely. This is what Paul meant when he said to Timothy, train yourself to be godly in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 7. It's the same idea that Paul writes about when he is writing to the church in Corinth. He says, do you not know that all 
that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body. I make it a slave so that after I have preached, others will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul is saying here clearly that there is a race and in order to compete, we don't try really hard without training. We go into strict training. We enter into a life of training. Church, I want to tell you that spiritual maturity is not arrived at by pretending. We know that. Pretending to be something that we're not and you know, hiding all our failings. It's not achieved by just trying harder. But spiritual maturity is when God's Holy Spirit transform us, transforms us as you and I take seriously the Christian life and enter into training so that we become all that God created us to be in the first place. You might say, Jonathan, that is too hard. Strict training. That's not, uh, you might say, you know, that's not, uh, that's too hard. I say, no, that's the easy way to spiritual maturity. It is the easy way. Uh, you know, respecting the difference between tra- trying and training is the key to spiritual transformation. And it's not just in our Christian lives, but this is in every aspect of our life. People sometimes think that learning how to play Bach by spending years and years practising scales and chord progressions is the hard way to learn. But the truth is completely the other way around. Try sitting down at a grand piano in front of a packed concert hall, having never played or never practised in that moment of your life and try learning to play Bach, then that's the hard way to learn how to play Bach. You know, the truth is that day by day, training leads you to be able to achieve great things. So if we're thinking about beginning to train to become like Jesus, what is the goal? What is the goal of spiritual Maturity. I think it's to become like Jesus. Look what Paul says in Romans 8.29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. That's what he wants us to become like. Like Jesus. God's chosen you and I to, to grow, to become like him. We will never be God. No way. There's only one God. But we're to be godly in our character. And you know, our ultimate goal in life lies not on earth, but it lies in eternity. It's not our comfort here on earth that we're looking for. It's our conformity to the image of Christ. He wants you and your unique personality and abilities and who you are to be transformed into his character. What does it look like? Well, God, God wants us to be like those he talked about in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, God blesses those who are poor 
and realise their need for him. Those who mourn, who are humble, who hunger and thirst for justice, who are merciful, whose hearts are pure, who work for peace, who are persecuted for doing right. The kind of character that these people have are are these kind of people who understand that love is patient and kind and they're patient and kind and they're not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. They do not demand their own way. They're not irritable. They don't keep records of wrong. It's, It's people who don't rejoice about injustice, but they rejoice in the truth and when the truth wins out. You know, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful. And this is what it looks like to be someone who is conformed to the image of Christ. They have the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, as we talked about earlier. God is not wanting to make your life on earth comfortable. He's wanting you to grow healthy in Christ-likeness. Now, I want to tell you, um, what I've noticed about it's, it's kind of a bit awkward and embarrassing for me to even say this, but what I've noticed recently is some of you after church come up to me and you will be talking together and I notice kind of you're looking at my arms and muscles and that. <laughs> and I, don't, I haven't said anything um, to you at all, but I thought I should just explain because enough of you have been looking at, at me and realising that I've been growing, mus- you know, I'm getting musclier and all that. I know it's embarrassing, don't, you know, a bit weird. But I thought I'd just come clean on, on, on why I've been more muscly lately, okay? <laughs> the reason is I have a friend who's a, a PT officer at the Army, uh, Gavin. He's a mate of mine. And I was uh, talking to him and, you know, every time I bump into to Gavin, I know he's a PT officer, so I try and say a few things just to impress him. And sometimes I can get in a bit of trouble with that. Like I say, oh, I've been jogging lately. And he says, great, oh, good stuff, great, that's good. And one day, by mistake, I kind of said, oh, you know, I'm thinking about all the jogging I'm doing, but, you know, I'd really be keen to uh, build some upper body strength, you know. And he said, really? He said, that's great. He said, tell you what, Tuesday, I'll come round. <laughs> kind of said, okay, no worries. So we organised our family, their family, have fish and chips together. And... Uh, <laughs> In the midst of the fish and chips, he, he and I went out into the backyard and he, he said to me, look, I've got, I've got this I want to give you. So he gave me this. He came out with this bar. Now, this is, it doesn't look heavy from there, but I tell you what, if it wasn't for these muscles, I wouldn't be able to carry it. <laughs> but he came out with this steel bar and he said, Jonathan, I want you to do your maximum repetitions, MR, for those who are into the lingo. (laughs) And I just want you to start, and I want you to do this. He says, you know, put your bottom out a bit like this, you know, chest out like that, and then do this. Now start, and he started counting. One, two, three, four. We got to about five, and I... (laughs) (laughs) But after I'd finished, given, given it all, to my surprise, he pulled out a sort of clipboard (laughs) and he wrote down the amount that I'd got next to maximum reps 
And then he showed me another routine. I've got all these kind of ones. You're all interested in this? I've got to do this, hold back, out like that. None of this, you know, I've got to go out that way. And then he's got me doing push-ups and, you know, uh, get under the trampoline and pull myself up, lying heaps, heaves, he calls them. And anyway, I do all these kind of things. And each time he's marking down my maximum reps. And by the end of it, I'm looking for a potato cake or something like that. <laughs> and then he looks at me without even, even smirking or anything and he says, now these are your maps, maximum reps. What I want you to do is every time you do this workout, three times a week, day in between each one, I want you to do 60% of your maximum reps. I think, that's all right. And he said, three times through. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, I'm coming back in four weeks to re-give you another routine. And he walked out of our house, leaving me exhausted. <laughs> So, first sort of couple of days, I looked at that thing, you know, I didn't, said no way. Then I started to think he's coming back. I better, <laughs> I better do some things. So I got out there and he, uh, you know, he said, you've got to try and jog as often as you can. And then after you jog, while your heart rate's going, do these exercises and do all those things. So as he started to calm around, I knew he was coming around. And then a, a month later, he sat down and he went through and he said, Right, now I want you to do your, 60, your, your maximum reps again and they were much more this time. And then he said, now I want you to do 60% of your maximum reps again and I'll be back in another month to check you. And uh, since then, he's modified my workout and now you all know why I'm, <laughs> why I'm so muscly. Now, I, I didn't want to do this, but I thought you should just see me working out a little bit. So I took a photo of me doing my workout So there you go. <laughs> now, the, <laughs> the point is, the point is, I'm not how I am today just suddenly. This has taken a lot of work. <laughs> it's taken me a little bit of training regularly, you know. But as, he, as I've been do through this process, I thought, he just expected me to train. Like, he didn't give me a choice in it. Like, if you want to build upper body strength, you've got to train regularly. It was a given to him. And he was coming back to check on me. He was going to keep me accountable for my growth. Now he asks my kids whether I'm getting out there. <laughs> and my daughter's in the same class, and he works through them to find out. So I'm in big trouble. But, but it really highlighted to me and asked me the question, as a church, how much do we encourage and teach you to train? Like, it's just okay to say, be godly, and, but just to expect you to do that overnight, I think is unrealistic and to expect you and set you up for failure. But I wonder what kind of program we would put together for spiritual maturity. What kind of things would we do to help you to grow more like Christ? Well, here, sorry. I just thought there, there are some great exercises to help you train. Now, these are not external things that prove that you're godly, 
but they're things when done with the attitude of a desire to grow in Christ-likeness will help you get spiritual strength. And in times when hardship and trouble come in your life, you'll be stronger because you've been doing some of these things. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but I reckon uh, there's, there are some things. Bible study and uh, Bible reading and study. Doing that with a prayer that's saying, God, speak to me. God, teach me. You know, we went through the Sermon on the Mount and all of us wanting to grow and understand what God's wanting us to do with our life. Small groups, do you know, all the things that say love one another, care for one another, pray for one another, all these things cannot happen unless you're in community. And in this church together, take a look at the people next to you because, do you know what? These people will one day have transformed bodies that will never rust, will never uh, perish, but will live for eternity, to look at the people next to you when they have been transformed as new, new people in, in heaven. Do you know what? You'll, be, you'll almost think of worshipping them, of incredible transformation that's taken place. And all of us, we're going to be together for eternity. So learning to love and share and do life together now is crucial. In our church, we have 31 small groups. Over 350 of you are in small groups and, and uh, are learning to do life together, to learn and to love. If you're not in a small group, get in one. Pray regularly. Serve. You know, you've been given gifts to use. You, you should be using them. Find a place where you can serve and serve willingly and joyfully. Uh, sharing your faith. Nothing fires you up more than telling other people about Jesus and letting them experience the kind of transformation that you have. Giving. You know, it's more blessed to give than receive, Jesus said. And you'll find the joy of giving as you do that regularly. Living simply. We've got far too much. And what a joy it is, is recognising that we don't need all that we have and living simply. Quietness and stillness. We're so busy celebrating. That's what Sundays are about, coming together to celebrate what God has done and resting, having times where we're just resting. They're all things that lead to spiritual maturity. You could make another list. But you know what I want to challenge you as we close now? What's your routine look like? Are you doing any of these things? Well, if you're not, how on earth can you expect to grow? Uh, if I were you, I'd be listening to my friend Gavin and start working out a regular routine that will help you grow to be more Christ-like, more loving in every way. But what are the things you struggle with most now? Which one of these things will help you most in that area? If you are a critical Maybe what you need to do is to read God's word to find out about being a grace-filled person. If you, are, if you are someone who tends to be on your own and independent and doing your own thing, join a small group. It, why don't you grow spiritual maturity? Do you know, I love being part of this church and my greatest desire is that all of us would grow into Christ-likeness each and every day so that we as a church can thrive together. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you so much for loving us.
Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for inviting us to live a life that is transformed. God, not by our trying harder, but our training for godliness. God, help us to be those that take accountability for our own spiritual growth, that don't leave it to someone else, that don't hope that it just automatically happens, but really start to figure out a workout that will help us. God, help us to be those that love you with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength and love others. God, grow in us spiritual maturity, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd just love you now to take your blue cards and if you could just bring them out in front of you. And this morning, we'd just love you to write down that you've been with us today. And also, on the back, there are a lot of opportunities for you to respond. Why don't you just take a few moments right now to respond? It might be joining a small group. It might be being baptised, becoming a Christian. Why don't you just take that time right now to do that? We're just going to now take our offerings and let's come with a thankful heart as we come to give. God, you've given us so much. Thank you for your generosity, for your love for us, for pouring out forgiveness and grace on us and for inviting us to live the life that you've called us to live. God, as we give now, we give of ourselves, we give of our tithes, we give of our offerings. We give with joyful, thankful hearts. Be glorified, loving, good God. And use our giving to further your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Your offering now will be collected. And if you're just putting the blue cards, that would be great. Let's worship God as we give.